Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Review News. I'm Rich Fay and I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, thank you for um, having me. You're very welcome. And Tyrone, I expect some pleasantries off you now as well. Nice to have you back. Yes, hello Rich. Thank you. It's nice to be back. It is nice. It's been quite a, quite a while since you've been on the United podcast. With me at least, I can't... It has, yeah. It's been it's been a couple of weeks, I think. So. I've got your attendance record in front of me, but I know it's quite it's sloppy. Poor. It is quite poor. Sloppy. I do have a note for a couple of them. That's so, fine. Uh, so we should be all right on those. But yeah, my attendance record has been poor recently. Samuel, your attendance record for United. I know. No, no, no winter break for me. No winter break. No trip to Dubai, sadly, either. Not, no, no. There, there, there was a polite request put into the club whether they'd be doing any <laughs> media activity but uh, it's a closed shop unfortunately so I can I can assume there'll be uh, an exclusive on Norwegian TV coming up with something <laughs> probably in the next Astro Sports will have something I'm yeah sure. yes I, I think someone might might get lucky over there yeah but you did have the pleasure the pleasure of going to Old Trafford I think on Saturday early Saturday lunchtime to see United ease past Reading it wasn't the most comfortable cup tie it was a bit shaky at times but it was the sort of result you'd expect under any of the previous four United managers it was a very drab affair I mean the the, the performance level from pretty much everyone apart from Romero was kind of like latter day Mourinho but it was another win uh, so that means Solskjaer keeps on smiling I think what kind of like Mask the the relative uh, just general rubbishness of the game uh, with the supporters in in, in L stand and the the efforts they made to get to create a, a really really good atmosphere against as you said like underwhelming opposition whose away following was more abundant to, to say the very least but they did that last season on, on a Saturday night against Brighton when when there was pretty mm. much a blizzard coming down in Manchester so it's not to be surprised and that was pretty much the most interesting maybe the only interesting uh, thing about the game I suppose if I mean given that we have to cover United near enough 24-7 you are always looking for you are, you are always feeding on scraps when there's a quiet week and I suppose the only thing you'd say from it is that his his squad strength is not particularly great a lot of players who came in uh, didn't Really didn't enhance their chances whatsoever uh, of, of getting in the Tottenham game. I think everybody knew that would be the case anyway, but nobody's really given him a dilemma there. And the, the crux of the squad, you, you look at it, I think I'd say he's got nine undroppables in the team yeah. at the moment. De Gea, Shaw, Lindelof, Pogba, Matic, Herrera, Lingard, uh, Marshall and, um, and Rashford. But, and, and obviously Lukaku and Sanchez are good players to come in matters as well but it, you're probably down to like 16, 18 players who he can rely on at the moment and, and he's acutely aware from his own playing days that being a, being a substitute mm. and also being part of great recoveries in the second half of the season hunting down teams that squad players are going to have big roles to play and it's how much they want it and unfortunately for certain players namely Fred who I mean everyone's felt the Lazarus effect of Solskjaer bar him and probably Antonio Valencia uh, he just he just did not go get going whatsoever and I think it's only twice this season that he's completed 90 minutes for United yeah it's worrying that for Fred um, Tyrone sort of a wider issue now it's five games Solskjaer had five wins uh, mm. maybe the excitement levels are maybe tailing tailing down as the, as the wins go on but uh, maybe it's something that United fans need to get used to that although United did start so so well on Solskjaer and there's marked improvement um, it's going to be more of the same maybe there's not going to be pretty wins every week but wins nonetheless are, are, are a big change yeah of course they are and you know to start with five wins 
considering that I mean maybe too, too strong a word but considering the difficulties they were having pre-Solskjaer to start with five wins is a fantastic achievement but for anyone getting carried away Saturday was probably a nice sort of reminder and drop back down to earth that as Samuel says there are still major issues within the squad there are there are going to be things that even Solskjaer can't fix as we saw on Saturday um, without naming any names and uh, <laughs> <laughs> who have already been named <laughs> yeah um and, you know, it, it's probably also a, an eye-opener for Solskjaer just to see that, you know, it's one thing seeing these players in training, but you throw them into a game and tell them, this is your chance, make a case. And a lot of them didn't. So it's probably, you know, giving him an, an insight into what he has to work with going forward as well. So although it was a win and getting through to the next round of the Cup is the most important thing, he, there's probably been a few lessons learned from, from that performance and the performances of some players as well. Yeah, Samuel, you sort of get this rhetoric, don't you, around the club at the moment with feeling social back being, we're going to play the United way, it's going to be back to the good old days, but the, the being on all is there's, there's some players there who just aren't up to the quality for Manchester United. Yeah, and the, the devil's advocate stat, if you would like to use it, is that uh, two seasons ago, they'd won four games on the bounce under Mourinho, went to play Reading at home, third round, nine changes as well, <laughs> and they won 4-0, so you know, I'm sure the Solskjaer out movement will be uh, trending soon. Uh, I mean, the, the squad back then was was just better. I think, even though it was it was flawed then as well. I think they were just about sell Schneidlin and, and Depay, so there was a lot of there was a lot of dead wood in there, and and that's still the case now. I, I think the problem they have is that Woodward a couple of years ago during his conference call he he said there wouldn't be the the churn of in in the 2017 summer transfer windows there have been in previous windows i think that was really their downfall under Mourinho that they seemed strangely reluctant to sell players he hardly you look at his tenure at united and he hardly sold many players there weren't many high profile uh, departures there as i said Depay Schneidlin Rooney was lucky to get on the bench uh, in his final season. Yanazai was out on loan and, and Mkhitaryan was part of a swap deal. And so now they're saddled with players. As you, I mean, looking at this, the starters on Saturday, you, you, would, you, you could make a case that the majority of them shouldn't be or won't be at the club next season there, there was some, there's some mitigation there because of the contract situations like Matter and Young are literally in the last six months of their deal no option of an additional year uh, whereas Pereira Jones and Darmian have and United will take up those options because they don't want to lose players on, on free transfers but then you look at McTominay and you think well he's, his race is run now really I mean I think everybody knows why, why Mourinho plucked him from the reserves and, and put him in the first team squad he didn't really do anything against Reading I think with all due respect to him a club like Reading is probably his level um, we've seen Paddy McNair go from the prominence of the United first team to the relative well certainly the lows of getting relegated with Sunderland last season um, Rojo didn't play but He's always injured. I mean, we, we keep we saying it. For it's it's just yeah, it's it's just amazing they gave him that contract in March, and I suppose that's the problem. Like Phil Jones, whose future you would say that there is an element of jeopardy there, given that Smalling signed a new deal recently. He's he's become a regular again, or semi regular under Solskjaer. I know he came out of the out of the team for the uh, the Bournemouth game, but he's in a very auspicious position now to secure his, his United career now that Bay is suspended and a couple of the others are injured but there's always that danger that they could get lulled into a full sense of security so you do wonder whether if, if they were to go to Tottenham and lose and lose quite 
handsomely. Um, whether that be, would be the dosage of reality they need to just give them a bit of perspective, however brilliant this start has been under Solskjaer. Yeah, and Tyron, as Samuel said there, it's maybe the honeymoon period is over for Solskjaer now from, from this week on. I got this trip to Dubai to, mm-hmm. to work on fitness and that's been a, an issue uh, which been, we've been at all season. I remember it was all the games under Mourinho in the league that they were outrunning. Um, United. Yeah, all 17. All 17 games under me, they're outrun. And now they're looking to, obviously the game against Tottenham, we'll get on to later, is their, their big test. But Solskjaer's, yeah, I've said the honeymoon period's probably off now. And this is where really gets, maybe a test of his management skills. Yeah, yeah certainly this week is going to be a test of his, his management skills and building up to that Tottenham game because it is, it is quite clearly the hardest test by some distance that he's had so far um, not to denigrate the start he's had those were teams that you wouldn't have fancied United winning all four of those Premier League games under Jose Mourinho and Solskjaer did win them and won them well so you know it's not to denigrate his start but it's 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 obvious that this is a much stiffer test this week and he's had an impact on the attacking players he's given a bit of freedom to the attacking players at United I think we saw on Saturday that he's probably not had much of an impact on the defence so far alright it was another clean sheet but a lot of that was down to Sergio Romero. United didn't defend with an awful lot of conviction at times on Saturday. And There's a lot of love on social media for Matteo Darmian as a, as a centre-back, which was a bit odd. Was, I thought it was sort of people praising him just for the sake of praising him because it's something a bit different. But yeah, so that, there's still chances for Reading, wasn't there, if United with water tight at the back? Yeah, I think, I mean, Solskjaer did mention Darmian afterwards, but... Solskjaer did say recently how there aren't many better right backs in the world than Antonio Valencia he is at full pelt and yeah, he's from, from he gives of one hand he takes of the other yeah hand. yeah from, from what we've been told uh, so, some of the advice he's received from Ferguson um, has, has been to kind of like T- twist his words with, with certain answers and I think he's uh, Ferguson once said I think he told Pochettino actually that y- y- you play two games per-, per match week one's the press conference and you can't <laughs> lose the press and Solskjaer's played that he, you know effortlessly so far purely because they've they've been winning games but um, yeah I mean the, the Darmian thing was they kept a clean sheet he was a stop gap it, it was you know it was worth praising him I suppose yeah. two clean sheets in a row is quite an achievement considering what United have done this season uh, another positive for fans was we finally got to see Teeth Chong in the first team match mm. maybe wasn't the most exciting scenario for him to come on but uh, exciting anyway to see Solskjaer fulfilling that promise that if you're good enough you're old enough absolutely yeah you know to give him half an hour as well when the game you know the game wasn't dead at that point really you wouldn't have thought so there was still there was still hope for Reading had, had they got one back so to, you know to show that level of faith is encouraging and he has been true to his word there we saw it with Gomez against Bournemouth Huddersfield Huddersfield, yeah. Huddersfield when he came on only had nine or ten minutes but again to play in the Premier League at Old Trafford is, is a you know, a step for him and an encouragement for him. So he is he is rewarding youngsters. Quite a few have gone away this week. That they're involved in the match day squads. They're on benches, and you know, I think that's huge encouragement. And it's encouragement for the ones further down the line as well to see that there is a pathway there to the first team at Man United. And if you can see that, and if you if you know the staff at the club who want to promote youth and want to bring youth through, then. I think that's huge encouragement for everyone at the academy. Yeah, I think as well for the academy players, just to know that your work is going go noticed by the mm. first team staff. I know after the game, Chong said to MUTV that it's sort of giving all the, the players in his 
academy team in the reserves a bit of a lift because they know there is a real realistic chance now they can make an impression on the first team and as Tyrone said Samuel got uh, Greenwood Garner Chong and Gomez all part of the, the team that's gone out to Dubai so it is a, a real encouraging moment for United fans even if the season doesn't maybe give them the rewards of what they want on the pitch the, the foundations are being laid under Solskjaer yeah I think it I mean I think some people might seem to think as though that they're now full-time first-team squad members, which obviously isn't the case. They've got... I mean, United could have quite a successful season at junior level that they've got the Youth League. Uh, They had that phenomenal win against Chelsea in the Youth Cup and obviously Premier League 2 to a lesser extent. But... Chong and Gomez will be involved in the Youth League. Uh, Garner and Greenwood will continue to be involved in in the Youth Cup as well and and also in the Youth League. So that's still going to be their bread and butter, but it is encouraging that they are getting more first-team exposure. I'd imagine that Garner and Chong, sorry, not Chong, uh, Greenwood will make their senior debuts before the end of the season and also it kind of like tallies with the, the story we did last week about how he, he Solskjaer did block certain loan moves that young players had lined up I was told that Gomez was one of them because he does want them to, to feel more involved and now Gomez has gone off to Dubai uh, it, you know okay it probably hints at a very a dormant transfer window um, which Solskjaer alluded to as well on Friday but if you if you bring in through young players that is the perfect compensation package for supporters I think even in this you know, age of the Twitterati and the, the, the sheer obsession with transfers uh, there's still a real pride that supporters take when academy players do come through and not only get their chance but take it yeah and I know now looking ahead to the the game against Spurs mm. on the weekend Tyrone from the Reading game I know we sort of touched on before someone said that no one's really probably played themselves into into the team I know before the game Solskjaer said that this was an opportunity against Reading if anyone played well they would be at the forefront of his plans for, for Sunday against Tottenham at Wembley but do you think it's going to be more of the same the same sort of team that started off Solskjaer's reign is going to be the one we see at the stadium as well? I think so yeah um, I think if anything Reading has probably made the picture even clearer for him that he does have the Premier League team that he's been very close to in, in most of his Premier League games and it'll be it'll be that again you know you could pick the midfield now in terms of Matic, Herrera and, and Pogba so I think a, a lot of them it, it's going to be a fairly or you you wouldn't expect to see much deviation from the Premier League teams he's played so far and I think I think that makes sense and got on performances that's all you can do because the performances in the Premier League have been very good and the performances in the FA Cup were hit and miss shall we say so yeah I think it's it's understandable that he is going to stick to that team and the tried and trusted, trusted method. The, the interesting thing is going to be how they play and how they go about playing. And it's been clear so far, he's been very keen to sort of get the ball on the deck, to, to pass it through the thirds, to, to play quick attacking football. That's going to be a lot harder to do against Tottenham at Wembley. There's going to be a lot less time on the ball. So I think the interesting thing is going to be how they play rather than who the personnel are. Yes, I, mean, I guess the, 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 the tactical approach has got to be the deciding factor for United. I think it could be maybe a bit naive of United if they do go into the game at Wembley just with that sort of free-flowing 4-3-3 again or do you think there needs to be some sort of changes or just no, I, I mean, knock it until we've seen it? I think as, as Tyrone said, I think provided everyone is fit and there are no injury concerns, I'd expect it to be the same team that started at Cardiff, which was his, his first game. So that would be De Gea, Young, Lindelof, Jones, Shaw, uh, Matic Herrera, Pogba, Lingard, Marshall, Rashford. Um, I mean, the, the problem they had last season, uh, ironically under Mourinho, was that they were too gung-ho. They went with 4-2-3-1. Matic was carrying an injury. It was back when 
you know, th- we, were, we were wondering every week, can Paul Pogba play in the midfield too? Can um, Paul Pogba play at all? Well, yeah, yeah. That that was kind of like that. Certainly on the pitch, that was the start of his downfall with Mourinho. He was, he was hooked in that game. So I think midfield trident is is absolutely essential and. The interesting thing is that the midfield three that Solskjaer almost certainly will play will be the same trio that Mourinho went with in the cup semi-final against Tottenham last season. And obviously it worked with uh, those three, but what's changed is that uh, the front three is going to be quite different in that back then Lukaku and Sanchez, no matter what, guaranteed to be starting games. That's changed this season. Rashford and Martial, I mean, there's no debate as, as to whether it's Rashford or Lukaku or Marshall or Sanchez uh, so the fact that Matic is playing well again is is a bonus because I mean it, it, Mourinho was far too loyal to him but overnight he seems to have regained the form that he showed at the start of his United career so they've got someone holding the fort there you would be amazed if Tottenham didn't score against that that defence. I mean, Lindelof's been playing well. Jones has done reasonably well against uh, under Solskjaer as well. But you saw even against Reading that he, he's susceptible um, most of the time. And of course, last month for him started with that own goal against <laughs> Valencia. Uh, so if if United were to get a point, I know it sounds a little bit odd talking about United only getting a point away at Tottenham and it being a positive result, but that's the reality these days. And I think nothing if. They lose, then it's obviously it's the perspective, it's the welcomes of the real world, etc. If they get a positive point, then I think that you know the the honeymoon might may extend that little bit more. Yeah, if they can last a minute without conceding this time as well, that would be a market improvement. Yeah, I think it was it was ten or eleven <laughs> seconds uh, that Christian Eriksen scored. Um, yeah, that that was that was quite a quite a startling <laughs> evening with that that performance. Yeah, Tyrone, I guess as, as Samuel said though, that it's it's so refreshing for you that now that we used to always say what is the best eleven, but mm. so that sort of forward six, you just know exactly who who's going to be playing on Sunday. Yep. But as we've always sort of alluded to, it is that defensive setup that's going to be the the real test really for Solskjaer. And as we've spoken about even before now on this podcast, it is that management side of it for for Solskjaer. Everyone knows he can talk the talk, he can get mm. the players playing, he can get the supporters on side, but it's that sort of defensive setup and the sort of tactical nous that we will see this weekend yeah that's going to be the first real test for him in terms of how he sets that defense up and can he bring about improvement in the defense in the defense his man management's been very good so far especially with the forward players and he's just given him a bit of freedom a bit of confidence there's obviously no doubt he knows how to talk to strikers and how to help strikers with finishing positioning movement things like that it's going to be in in setting up the defence he'll get a lot of help from Mike Phelan from this of course you know it, it may fall on Mike Phelan to, to really sort of drill that defence you know deep down into how they want it but this is going to be a massive test for them because Tottenham aside from that Wolves game recently they've been free scoring and looked really dangerous and really quick going forward so you would fear a little bit for United if they continue to defend how they have done at times this season you would fear for them if they suddenly find themselves incredibly well organised from somewhere and, and this week in Dubai works on that front, then they've got a chance. Because the good thing about that front six is there's there's counter-attacking opportunities there. There's real pace going forward. And when you're looking to get the ball forward quickly on that big Wembley pitch, you'd fancy United to have 
counter-attacking opportunities with Rashford and Martial running at Spurs' defence. So it's a possibility there for United, but a lot, so much of it is going to come down to how they defend on Sunday. As long as the grass isn't too long as well, I should play it to them. Samuel, as we said there, uh, the week in Dubai, what, what do you expect to see? We've seen it before from Ferguson. From uh, slow motion, slow motion, uh, social media videos, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of yeah, what, the, for, for the team, I mean, for, as a fan, it's easy enough to say, oh, they're going for warm weather training, but as a support, is there any insight? What, what can they expect to happen other than get their money's worth on MUTV if they subscribe? Uh, Christ. Um, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> they, they can expect he get, Getty pictures. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing, I think, that I took from what he said at his press conference was that they weren't going there just to prepare for the Tottenham game. They were going there to prepare for other big games coming up. And it was at that point that I was startled to discover that the PSG game, the first one, is on the 12th of February, which um, isn't different from the fixture calendar last season, but is obviously very, very early, I think, for for United. So that's going to come up. That's, that's not far away at all. And, and it's Liverpool at the end of the month, which I think is on February the 25th. So... These, these three games against Europe's eminent sides, I think, all come within the next seven weeks or something like that. So, yes, the the, the, the thing about this quite striker about Solskjaer starts so far is that, as he said, they've not really trained too much. I think they had one proper training session between his first game and the Boxing Day game. That was on Christmas evening. And, yeah, Mourinho had this fixed days off policy and they've kind of like not really changed that too much. I think there was maybe a bit of wriggle room that the players negotiated for Christmas Day, but otherwise not much has changed on that. I imagine United probably would have gone to Dubai uh, if Mourinho was still in charge because they did that last season. And he talked about after, I think, ahead of the Liverpool game, he said that they were going to work on their tactics next week. Obviously, he wasn't around to work on that. And so it does... That is the upside of not being in the in the League Cup this week, and there are aspects of the, the, the tactical point of view that they do need to work on. It has been interesting, just you know, observing during the warm up how they're getting the defenders rather than just punting the ball clear to try and actually find a teammate whilst clearing the ball so they can retain possession. Uh, the flip side to the the mass possession they had at Newcastle was that staggeringly Reading had 60% of possession at Old Trafford but it was a bit of a nothing game so uh, I don't think there'll be much coming out of the camp in terms of you know walking the dog or anything yeah, anything yeah. There, there could be that uh, I suppose that I mean they are the complex they're staying at their Instagram account has already been providing video pictures and what have you which we've rinsed as much as possible today uh, on an otherwise quiet day uh, but the, the, the players do tend to try and keep their most ardent Instagram followers entertained with their stories and pictures and posts and I think some fans have already been scouring the the most re- recent posts on the location they're staying at in an, in an effort to try and find something to, to you know, give them their fix this week where there's no midweek games. It's going to be a fun week of blogging for us then, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but uh, I'm sure everyone is up to it. You talk about other things, we've rinsed the 
transfer rumors today as well. Tyrone, <laughs> Coutinho, yes. I mean, it's never going to happen, surely. Luke Coutinho to, to Manchester United in general. But as we spoke as well, it's it's so obvious United need if they're going to buy anyone this this January is is a defender. Mm. But now the talk of Philip Coutinho joining United that would annoy Liverpool fans, wouldn't it? It, it would annoy Liverpool fans for certain. Um, I mean, I don't think he's played centre back before. Um, he's not really got the build of a centre back, so it would be a strange one, definitely. I mean, there's, there's no doubt he's a world-class player who's used to the Premier League and is a fantastic footballer, but it, it sadly, it is not going to happen. I think we can all agree on that. It'd be interesting to see what business is done. Obviously, a centre-back is, is what Mourinho wanted and probably what Solskjaer wants as well. I think it's fairly obvious that they're lacking a world-class player and a real leader in that position. So that's that's the area they need to strengthen in, but... If anything, this the start that Solskjaer has had might make them just think, well, you know, maybe we, we put that on the back burner until the summer when we know who the permanent manager is going to be, who the sporting director is going to be and, and who's available in the summer. And I think that's probably the the better way to go about it now rather than rush a deal through for, for someone who's available in January or, or you're paying top dollar for. This has bought a bit of time. And if the results continue to go well in January, buys even more time to say, right, to keep our powder dry and really focus in the summer on on who we need and, and what we need because it's going to be a busy summer as well because like Samuel said before the the squad and the depth in the squad really needs reshaping and it probably needs more than one transfer window's work in terms of the depth of the squad but on first team terms it, it's a world class central defender that, that's got to be top of the list Yes, yeah, so I guess that is maybe get when you get two back-to-back clean sheets, that almost gives the, the board an excuse not to, to back you. And in a perverse way, getting thrashed by Spurs yeah. on the weekend could actually do United a long-term favour in that aspect. But as Tyrone said, no team with a top-class centre-back would even want to consider selling them midway for a season anyway, really. Unless you pay beyond your already astronomical fee for being Manchester United. Which is what... Uh, Liverpool did with, with Van Dijk last season where it has really paid dividends and that they did hold out for him for another six months possibly compromised their their progress in the league but in the long run it was it was well worth it just waiting that, that little bit extra time for him to come in uh, I mean you know Solskjaer's as I said on Friday he said not expecting anyone uh, when he said he would have input on transfers I, I actually I didn't realise until I well, I was looking at his transcript again today and someone used the word input and then he used the word input so it was almost like it was kind of like putting a word mm-hmm. in his mouth in a way so they're, they're not going to rule anything out and they've made that clear to us if the right player becomes available etc etc uh, but I just don't think that they're going to be parting with 100 million quid for Kalidou Koulibaly this month and looking at it in the long run come I think last year United weren't even in the top 20 European clubs for transfer expenditure I know the Sanchez wages kind of skew that slightly but when you consider in the summer there was a drop off in expenditure of about 67 million pounds from the previous summer this could be a dormant window come the summer they'll have saved up a lot over the last 18 months two years you would think at that point they wouldn't even think twice about paying out Pochettino's um, contract of £30 million because they'd have banked enough in that time and you know what the Glazers are like and and Woodward can be like they they can be miserly and parsimonious so 
they they would argue that in the long run they're doing the right thing just keeping the squad as it is at the moment and certain players are not going to be willing to move at the moment when they can argue well I think I've got a fair crack of it under Solskjaer uh, Rojo is, is an immovable object because he's the one they would obviously want to shift to accommodate a centre-back and that's the other issue I think if, if a centre-back were to come in they would have to sell one and because the wages soared but I think it was 12.3% with, with Sanchez coming in and other players coming in last year so Rojo's injured again so that makes him difficult to shift uh, Smaller's got a new contract Jones is needed to play Lindelof and Bay. nobody's really considering selling them so that's what makes it even more complex unless you were to say you know Darmian goes or something like that because obviously he's, I think he's, his wife is pregnant and they wanted to go back to Italy in the summer so you would imagine they want to go back to Italy even more just for the personal reasons alone but Solskjaer's making the most of him at the moment be it starting in an FA Cup game or, or putting him on the bench so I think he's reasonably happy with with the squad he's inherited and in that he has improved them already well most of them and any changes you know, Sanchez did disrupt the rhythm a little bit last season so I don't think they're going to want to compromise the fluidity and the rhythm and the, the, momentum, the momentum they've got at the moment but of course if, if the ideal centre-back became available that would make them think twice but I highly doubt that's going to materialise this month you never know you might see a Darmian masterclass on Sunday to subdue <laughs> Harry Kane um, Tyrone going into that final point do you think United fans have a right to be quietly confident maybe ahead of Sunday that this new era could also see them over to, I mean the record of the Mourinho recently against the, the big teams part, you know, they've had some big results away mm. from home this season yeah I mean for a minute there I thought you were asking me if they could be quietly confident that Matteo Darmian was going to subdue <laughs> Harry Kane um, yeah five wins out of five you, you've got to be confident if you're Man United and you've won five games out of five and you go into Tottenham obviously it's going to be a difficult task but at the same time as one former United manager used to say lads hit to Tottenham and look at what they did against Wolves recently when they're absolutely flying get themselves in the title race and blow up and lose at home to Wolves so we've seen the best of Tottenham in recent weeks but we've seen the worst of them as well and you never quite know what you're going to get with them so there's possibilities there it'll be exciting to see how United set up and how they approach the game and whether they can cause damage on the counter-attack and look if they come away with a, a draw or even a win it's not going to be the biggest shock in the Premier League this season so th- there's reasons to be confident you, you would say that they are obviously outsiders in the game but you know th- there's reason to travel there with hope certainly I think the, the main thing about it was that if, if Mourinho was still in charge you would be wondering how United are going to set up to stymie Tottenham whereas under Solskjaer the mindset has changed to what United can do to the opposition that was one of Mourinho's biggest problems I mean when they went to West Ham in September and set up with a back three to to match West Ham and you just thought this is completely beneath you here yeah I mean, yeah, that stumped me. Yeah, but we, we shall see. <laughs> that, 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 that's how that's wretched how they were that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just when you think about all that. I mean, they should have beat Chelsea where they see they beat Juventus away, mm-hmm. and then for the same manager, like you said, to have that sort of naive just respect for a team like West Ham. I mean, you say well, that's only Tottenham and uh, Southampton as well. Yeah, and two, two and it, even back then, what, that was the West Ham team who hadn't hit their stride in the Pellegrini and are now looking decent. It was yeah. a dreadful West Ham side who hadn't found their form yet, and. Whatever went wrong did go wrong, but you must be excited for a trip down to to Wembley. Uh, the, the magic must have gone from it now that it's a the, a league game. But the the game itself will be 
I think we'll, should live up to expectations with the, the two coaches and the players on show. Uh, I think as most pl- people who've visited Wembley relatively regularly would agree, it's it's pretty soulless shopping centre of a stadium. <laughs> and it has been since it opened in 2007. I think everybody knows they got it wrong just putting it in the same place. It needed to be equidistant for everyone in the country to get to for the national team. But um, yeah, for, for younger fans, I think still going there for the first time, it does have that buzz. But for us hard-bitten cynics, it's not quite, <laughs> it's not quite what it was. But you know, you, you, it, it would be churlish to complain when you get to see two of the you know, informed teams in, I suppose, in Europe at the moment, never mind in, in England. Tyrone, do you have good memories of Wembley yourself? Personal note. Um, mm, uh, when you go there as a fan and you're young, I went to the old Wembley and went to the last game at yeah. the old Wembley actually. Yeah. And as a fan, it is exciting. Um, but yeah, once you've been a couple of times um, journalistically, work-wise, it, it, it loses its appeal quickly. When it's your first time in the press box there, it can be quite exciting. But Decent food. You sometimes. soon get used to it. Yeah. The food, the yeah, food's it's all right. okay. We don't want to sound like the, the, the bourgeois of, yeah. uh, of yeah. journalism here. We're selling up as dangerous path here. Yeah. Garlic balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the old one had... The old one was crap I mean I th- that's what the, the, the first beauty of it was it was but that was the beauty yeah. of it yeah, yeah. I mean I the, the first ever uh, full match I attended I think was was there when I was was I four or five five yeah I was five years old um and my first cup final that I went to, I was I was of an age where they were still being played at the old Wembley as well. So those Free those PM days were, were yeah those those days were were treasured, and the, the FA Cup did mean it's it's difficult to kind of articulate it to a younger audience these days, just how much more meaningful it was back yeah. then. Um, but unfortunately it's, and you always it's been... always get that though with the rhetoric when you when they ask these sort of foreign players and stuff, what are your memories growing up and they'll always say it was watching the FA Cup it was yeah. one game mm. stream that was shown live in our country wherever they come from it was the FA Cup yeah yeah and and it's I mean I do kind of like wince when modern players say how special it is to play at Wembley it's a place of great history well it isn't the old one was completely knocked down they didn't even they didn't even bear a second moment's thought as to what they should do with the Twin Towers they just went down as well so uh, yeah the, 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 the new one isn't great and I think it's quite reassuring as well that Tottenham supporters have, have turned on it as well like on Boxing Day they got a lower attendance than, yeah. than Sunderland yeah. did which with all the mitigating factors was still a hell of a, a statistic to for that to happen and Danny Rose echoed it quite well as well he said it's not special playing there anymore um, he's, he's one of the few modern footballers who's actually worth listening to and, and is you know quite frank and candid when he does talk so I think from I suppose from a selfish perspective it is a disappointment that Tottenham aren't already in their new stadium I think when I saw, when we saw the fixtures you hope they were at January yeah. you hope that um, they'd have been in the stadium by that point but it's 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 about I don't know another eight months at, always, at the very least there's to always wait. next year yes there is yes I mean hopefully this is a conversation we can have in April but playing the FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley don't get me started on that. shredded the yeah. mystique as well there's so many games there now and so many problems so many I mean, teams if we need to do a there, spin-off but... podcast of improving the FA Cup I think we could really get we, together yeah, yeah. It, would, it would it would take some time I think yeah <laughs> although I haven't said that as as Naf, Naf as the Saturday results were the Sunday, Sunday. results had, had something about them and yeah. it's a bit of a 
toss up with that. I, I think some people are, are trying to change it, saying you need seedings, you need to give it the chance. I don't think you need that. Sometimes it is. It it's just cliche goes. Luck of the draw. Yeah. I mean, there may be a great fourth round draw. This is tonight coming up, but maybe they just need to warm up the balls again and, and make sure that those those right draws come out. Yeah, well, in possibly the shortest lived feature we're ever going to have on this podcast, it is going to be who would you like to get in the draw tonight? Bear in mind, this will be outdated. Even before it's probably even gone online, this won't be relevant, but which team right now, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, about 5pm, who, um, who would you like? I mean, an Oldham or a Barnet or... I, I'd say for purely um, personal reasons, Gillingham, because I was born very near there, oh. um, Medway. I was I was born in Chatham. Chatham is is pretty much Gillingham. I don't recommend anyone visits it apart Some from from my school with the Docklands G- season ticket holder. Oh, really? No idea why. I think they had a good season once when they got promoted. I'm not sure when. 2013 well, or something about Tony Pulis got them promoted, I think, in 2000. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that from from a purely personal magic of the cup <laughs> aspect, mm. uh, I, I'd go with, with Gillingham away, but I wouldn't mind somewhere like, you know, Oldham. That, oh, that would be pretty I good for local area. They would like that for mileage as well, probably, <laughs> wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Tyrone, for yourself? Uh, for personal reasons that, that you will know Rich I would like Shrewsbury or Stoke to get United although if Stoke win the replay then it actually won't really matter um, as Samuel says I think Oldham Oldham for United would capture a lot get of hearts and minds around here I think <laughs> get the tram together tram together yeah really tick them all off yeah yeah, yeah I think Oldham um, would be a, an attractive one but when it's Derby v Southampton or Derby or Southampton v United then you heard it here first. Yeah, you have to beat them all anyway, don't you? And Solskjaer said he, I mean, we speak about everything, but it's maybe the one trophy he can actually win this season, Solskjaer, so he'll want it to be maybe as easy as possible, even though he'll say, we'll beat anyone. Yeah, yeah, he, he would want he would want another Reading he would want another Reading at home I think two years ago they got Reading at home in the third round then it was Wigan at home in the next round then Blackburn away and so it was only until they got Chelsea in the quarter final that it it ground to a halt so I don't think they they make any moans about that obviously if they get Shrewsbury away or Gillingham away, they'll they'll say, oh, it's you know, it's great, it's going to be a good test, blah blah blah. Oh, no, but... for sure, it's going to be on TV because it's United. Yes, <laughs> and it has to be on the. I think it has to be on Friday, the Friday or, or the Saturday, Saturday due to the Burnley game being on uh, Tuesday the twenty sixth. So it kind of has Friday night football written all over it which is what United had twice last season against Derby and at, uh, and at Yeovil as well as long as it's not as far away as Yeovil I think we'll all be happy in this room for that one but <laughs> yeah yeah, that was um, myself and Alex Porter did did that and back in, in one hit there was no there was no uh, overnight stay in Yeovil so uh, I, I don't think they could go anywhere that far this time surely no I did Dover away in a day and that was the worst day of my life but that's for us that's, that's another topic for another podcast Podcast. Uh, was that sure. from Wrexham? Yeah. Snow- is- I was snowed in on Wrexham. I had to get up at 4am, go all the way to Dover, watch us draw one all and drive <laughs> all the way back. Oh, at least you drew. I was hoping you'd have lost. That would have made yeah, it and worse. I was commentating on the game and they had no press box. So I had to sit in the stand <laughs> and oh do it off a dongle. It was horrible. But, oh well, we go again. Yes. Mag- <laughs> magic of the National League and all that. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on the Manchester Red podcast thank this you. week. Please make sure to leave a review and subscribe and join us again next week as we dissect whatever happened at Wembley on Sunday. Thank you very much.